Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 99, where John and Jason talk to Abram Jackson and Tyler Lennick, program managers from the Graph Data Connect team, about the release of Microsoft Graph Data Connect and how it can be used with Power BI. Hey, John, how you doing, buddy? I'm all kinds of good, man. How are you? I've been home for a whole, like, three days now. It's been glorious. <laughs> it's a different thing. It's yeah. a different thing. Yeah, me too. I, I, uh, I've been out playing in the muck. It's awesome. Oh, well, I was at a kid's birthday party, one of my kids' birthday parties. So it's basically the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. And they we, grow like weeds too, right? So, yeah, yeah, man. We had a wonderful uh, Sunday. It turned out the weather was perfect. We moved Mother's Day to this past Sunday because I don't need Hallmark to tell me when to celebrate my mom. <laughs> so we had my mom, Jill's mom, and Jill all in the same place at the same time. So made a wonderful brunch. Then we had Sam's birthday party and just in general had a really nice weekend of not doing any work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing work, but of a different kind. I was outside all weekend getting oh, the garden I, ready. I was cooking, I was grilling, but that stuff was just for me. It's so much more fun. So I really enjoyed it. So I had a great time. But John, this is episode 99, man. I know. I know who to thunk it. I certainly didn't at the beginning of this thing. I thought there was no way that we were going to have enough to say every single week in order to be continuing this thing on. But here we are. I believe I raised that objection, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we've managed to do it 99 times so far. Yep. Yep. That means uh, the next one's a big one. Yeah. Century mark. Man, we got to figure out something fun to do. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, of something fun that our listeners might enjoy. We got a message last night from John Hollenberger. So shout out to you, John. Thank you very much for being a listener of the show. And John asked us, are we ever going to get on Spotify? And you know, when I, we first I didn't started, know we weren't. Well, when we first started the show, they did not have a podcasting system. And then they had a closed podcasting group. And they recently opened it up to beta testers not too long ago. I guess it's been the past couple of months cool. that they opened it back up. And so I got us on there today, thanks to John's suggestion. So you can now listen to us on Spotify. Much appreciated, John. Yeah. And by the way, we just hit, and I haven't even told you this one, oh. we hit 200 likes on Facebook this week. Whoa, really? Really? There's 200 yeah. people that like us? I don't know about that, John. There are two, maybe 200 people who like you. I but, don't know uh, about that. Well, I'm going to go ahead and assume that that's the case. But beyond that, it's really nice to uh, have that measurement. So if you are a listener of the show, go out, follow us on Facebook if you have an opportunity. We'd really appreciate it. Just tells us, hey, you know, there are folks out there listening, and that's really nice. As well as we do have the mailing list with, I swear we are eventually going to do something with that, John. I keep telling people that, uh, but we haven't done it yet, yeah, but yeah. we are going to, I'm going to take some time this summer and get around to it. <laughs> yeah, we're, I, we're really going to do it. For this real time. this time. Yeah, but yeah. So there, there's that as well. This week, we have a really great yeah. interview that we did, MVP Summit. But we've been holding on to this one, John, because you you thought maybe it'd be a good idea to drop the interview around the time that this thing went GA. So can you tell us a little bit about what the interview is and what just went general availability 
today as we're dropping this episode. Sure thing. Well, we had we had the privilege uh, to sit down for I don't know, I guess about a half an hour with uh, Abram Jackson and Tyler Lennig of the Graph Data Connect team, and I've been pretty pumped about Graph Data Connect ever since it was called Euclid. We first saw it at MVP <laughs> Summit last year. Yeah, it's near and dear to my heart. Pulling data out of Graph, but this time in a in a highly efficient way. We do all kinds of pretty cool things to get data out of Graph, and they have started in with this uh, extraction technology that ties into Azure Data Factory. And so we've been making great hay with the with, with, with this tool. And in fact, it's uh, it's enabling us to come out with our uh, upcoming um, TIGRAPH for Exchange product because Graph Data connects back into the graph and pulls out all the messaging and calendaring and information that you all all the all of that stuff that you can eat. So um, we've been uh, working with it in beta, etc., for a long time. And uh, as we record this, what is it? The May seventh, yesterday, the GA for Graph Data Connect was was announced. So way to go, Abram and Tyler. Nice job. There's that's an awful lot of work gone into this thing, and uh, I'm I'm sure they're pretty happy. And I know Abram's got his. Uh, his big presentation on it tomorrow. So, that was what tomorrow. Uh, yeah. that, so as we're dropping this, tomorrow is today. So as you're listening yes. to this, do you know is the build are the all the build sessions being streamed or is it all, just some of them? I know at least uh, a lot of them are being streamed, and I assume they're all being recorded for consumption afterwards. So I'm I'm definitely be I'm going to have my eyes peeled for that session. So what we will do is when it actually does hit the interwebs and we find it, we will go ahead and add that to the show notes for this episode. Yep, and make sure that that's there. I'm also currently working on a blog post uh, talking about using Graph Data Connect with the Power BI data flows. Wow. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the episode, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that, about your announcements, and then maybe some of the other things that are interesting from Build, as well as our uh, picks for the week. Sounds great. Feel uncertain about your Power BI success? What are the questions you need to answer to deliver value? Tumble Road can help. They will put you on the road to success with training, advice, and products that get you to value faster, just like they've done for other Fortune 50 customers. Download their free Power BI guide, packed with technical tips and tricks, at tumbleroad.com forward slash success. Hey, Jace, welcome to uh, day three of the summit. Hello, John. <laughs> you tired? Oh, man, it, it's been a long <laughs> week so far. I've, my brain's a little melty. I'm a little ragey from a couple of the sessions, but for the most part, it's been really, really good. You know, this has been, as usual, a jam-packed week filled with great conversations, information, and the occasional dud. I'm good and tired. Of course, the evenings are, are filled with, uh, with, with inviting food, activities. Most, yes, yeah, yes, mostly food. Too, yeah. But yeah, we, we didn't sit out too late last night, I don't Mm-mm. think. <laughs> but I'm definitely in need of an early night tonight because tomorrow is going to be a fun all-day you know, office hours session where we get to go and and give back to the product teams who have been uh, so kind with sharing information with us this week. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But we're we're sitting here now in a in a room with some awesome folks. So a couple of folks I've become acquainted with over the last few months. Uh, yeah, a few months uh, from the the Graph Data Connect team. Abram Jackson and Tyler Lenning. I hope I'm pronouncing the names right. That's correct. That's right. Yours is yep. the one that's yes, a little tricky here. at the end, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you guys mind introducing yourselves to our audience? Yeah, my name's Abram Jackson. I'm a program manager uh, for Microsoft Graph, specifically focused on Graph Data Connect. Uh, that's what I've been doing for the last several months. Yep, and my name's uh, Tyler Lennig. I'm a uh, program manager uh, on the graph, specifically focusing on Graph Data Connect 2 over the last couple months. That's fantastic. I'm 
pretty pumped about the whole GDC. We'll probably show cool. it for the <laughs> purpose of I like that. That's we, good. Need, we need acronyms. We so need acronyms. More, more acronyms. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I know I'm pumped. I've been aware of this, I guess, for about a year now. Not necessarily with that name, but uh, for the sake of our audience, I don't think we've really talked much about it on the show before. So No, uh, it's been mostly NDA up until recently. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But uh, why don't you guys uh, give us a quick uh, rundown of what it is, what it's all about, what it does. We'll, we'll dive in. Yeah, so Graph Data Connect allows our customers or our customers' developers access to the Office 365 data at scale, uh, which enables lots of uh, really interesting scenarios in the, the big data space. Sometimes I don't like to say big data because it's very much a buzzword, uh, but there's mm -hmm. lots of scenarios around analytics uh, specifically, uh, but also in search, in artificial intelligence, machine learning, that really need a lot of data. And what mm. we realized is the existing graph APIs are wonderful for their certain scenario, for user-specific, for real-time, for access, for synchronization and notifications, but uh, is pretty difficult to use for big data applications, particularly analytics is one of our first focuses. The challenge beyond just getting the data out, which is a real challenge, there's a lot of engineering that goes into that, and if you guys have been using Graph at all, you probably know that there's real challenges there. But even bigger than the, the big data type of challenges are the additional privacy and governance concerns on the data when you're accessing it at scale. Like it's one thing if you are getting, you know, the metadata from a single email object so that you can respond to that or add more value to that user, but it's quite another uh, if you are getting permissions for your application to all of the data, you know, including just about all of the business's intellectual property. So that's where a lot of our features and focus has been. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head pretty much with that one too. There's a, there's definitely a lot of excitement around this feature too. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, a lot of work from from the teams too to put this together. It's been a, it's been a, a really cool thing to see come together. Speaking as someone who's been doing it that way, they're, sure. they're trying to trying to suck the golf ball through the garden hose, gotcha. if you will, uh, getting all of that sort of data out of uh, out of the graph endpoints themselves. This is yep. this is an absolute welcome uh, welcome addition. Tyler, you you took the brunt of a of a statement of a couple statements I made uh, <laughs> when we went to your session the other day, and I want you know first of all I want to apologize for being mean to you. Because I was a little bit, like slightly, because I kept hearing the same thing over and over again yes. all week. Uh, and I ha we've continued to hear the, the pervasive statement of it. You guys are doing something that is legitimately really hard. This stuff is not simple. And to be able to get the data out in such a way that it becomes clean and normalized in such a way that the normal human can actually go off and execute against this type of stuff. Sure. That, you know, when we saw this a, a year ago, when we first got a chance to meet you, I looked at it like, nah, they're never, I was one of those guys, like, nah, they're never going to do that. The fact that this is, th this is coming soon for people to actually get their hands on it, right? It's preview right now. Yeah, yep. yeah a absolutely. Full public preview now, yep. Yeah, so uh, we were public preview last September. Uh, at the Ignite conference, so anybody can use this right now. Uh, you know, we are ramping up to full production scale, uh, and pretty soon, you know, it's going to be generally available. But don't let that stop you. It you can start working with it right now. Very cool. We'll make sure that we put links to it in the show notes yeah. so that people can find out where to get it. This stuff, but you know, legitimately, this is super complex, deep stuff. So I recognize the, the complexity that is there. We've heard this across the week. The things that Microsoft is doing now, you're not hitting little hanging fruit anymore. That stuff's pretty well done. These <laughs> things are that you guys are going off and executing against 
are super complex. And this is one of those areas that I'm thrilled that you guys have put the engineering time and money into cool. and gone off and do. So thank you for what you guys have done. I mean, one of the things um, I think is fascinating about it is that you're applying all of the, all of the organizational data access policies to this on the upstream. So no matter what happens, I can only get the data that, that, that has been blessed by the organization. How do you do that? Sure, absolutely. So we have a, a kind of granular consent and data access is really core to this to this platform too. And that's really great to hear that that's something that's valuable from your guys' perspective too. Uh, the ways we enforce that is we actually integrate with a service called Privileged Access uh, Management, where we uh, make requests using the system to the customer's Office 365 administrator. So the data controller, in this case, the person who has control over that data within Office 365. They are the ones who approve or deny access to that particular data. They can do that with a variety of different uh, properties and uh, insight into what that data will contain, the, the list of users that it will contain, the amount of the, the actual properties, the data set uh, that is included as well, um, and can actually, uh, the location of where the data will be going and make that decision based on based on that information. Yeah, it's, it's pretty stringent. I mean, for the sake of the audience, in order to basically successfully make a run and, and collect data, you have to have one person uh, submitting the run and another person approving that run. They can't be the same person. They both have to have multi-factor authentication. I don't think there's a stringent an approval process anywhere in Office 365, at least not to my knowledge. Yeah, that's very important, right? Uh, when we're talking about large volumes of the business's data, that's forefront, right? Uh, making sure that exactly the right people are making these decisions uh, because the risk is very serious. And we, we've got a business intelligence audience. I, I wonder if you can delve into a little bit of uh, what goes on behind the scenes. When, when you make that request, what's, what are the mechanisms going on in behind the, uh, in the scenes? I don't know if you can expand on that a bit. So I love the comment that you made about this being hard, right? Uh, it's nice to be appreciated. <laughs> so uh, you're right, it, it is quite difficult, right? And you guys are, uh, with, with TIEGRAPH, are probably more familiar with this uh -huh. than, than many others. Uh, just how much work it can be to take the data shape that's really well designed for a per user scenario and then use it for analytics. So the way that our underlying system works is it uses graph, but it calls graph for you. And so you as a developer or business analyst or data wrangler or whatever your persona is, but getting access to this data can use a, a very simple interface in Azure Data Factory. It can be drag and drop if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't want to touch a line of code, uh, mm -hmm. that is absolutely okay. And then we handle that hard work about calling the graph, you know, up, up to millions of times. It, we've tested this out to billions of records and to be able to call this in parallel and quickly, and you don't have to to worry at all about building such a, a scale-up infrastructure, which the, the old joke uh, in computer science, there's two hard problems, uh, distributed systems and the, handling the 29th of February. <laughs> so, uh, you can rely on Data Factory to handle the 29th of February for you in your schedules, uh, but it's more about the distributed system. Like I've worked in big data and distributed systems now for uh, eight years. And that is one of the hard problems in in, in uh, computer science. Uh, so we want to handle that for you. And I bet you guys aren't getting throttled either. <laughs> oh, actually, we are getting throttled. Uh, is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're not actually getting any special graph throttling uh, exceptions in our systems. 
the way that it works is we're on the graph team uh, and we have a performance team for Office 365. And so we can be very, very careful about tuning ourselves to be within those thresholds, to be exactly where we need to be so that we are not impacting the rest of Office 365, but we are still honoring the same throttling policies that you would. Uh, it is just building a distributed system with thousands of containers might be difficult work. <laughs> well, that's that, that's inter it's an interesting comment because um, I mean, you guys are literally eating your own dog food here, <laughs> uh, and by doing that, you're gonna you know, you'll bump into the same sorts of barriers that we will out, out in the field, and those things will need to be fixed. So yeah. the fact that you're doing that means it's going to be a better experience for everybody else. Absolutely, and that's some of the values you get from using GDC or Graph Data Connect too. Is that is that that kind of value right out of the box with our with our platform? So. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm uh, also uh, wondering, you kind of made mention uh, of it before. Who do you see as being the intended audience for this? Yeah, so we think about multiple personas. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the first is just sort of the enterprise business analyst uh, is one of our core personas, right? So that um, using particularly the Microsoft business an analyst tools, you know, Power Platform, you know, Power BI uh, and the rest of the Power Platform uh, to be a, a core product scenario for us. You know, so that, that's one of our major personas. The second persona uh, that we're going after is a Azure developer. So somebody that's pretty familiar with the Azure infrastructure can set up cloud systems, work with big data, you know, whether it's HD Insight or Databricks, and really be able to process that kind of thing into useful scenarios for their customers. And that can be internal for an enterprise or as a software developer uh, to be able to publish something for other enterprises. And then our third persona is a uh, applied scientist or data scientist uh, so that they can really get in deep with Azure's uh, incredible democratized AI tools on the same data. I want to double click in on, on one of the things that you just said. So you've got your personas. What do you see people using this for? How is it like you, you have a keystone that you're going after and like, this is what we see people really finding this super valuable for. You know, what, can you give us one or two of those examples of where you think people are going to go with this type of stuff? You know, uh, I like to use two examples. One is using the metadata of Office 365, particularly emails, and using that to analyze the relationships between employees or even employees and customers uh, in the sales uh, mm -hmm. kinds of scenarios. Uh, and so there's really cool things you can do, even directly in Power BI, but with other tools as well, of creating a map or a diagram, you know, sort of a spiderweb diagram of how communications are happening in your organization. And you can use that for lots of purposes, right? You can understand data silos in your organization. You can understand people that are central to a particular area or topic. You can understand the hidden org chart. Uh, so there's lots of really interesting analysis you can do just from that metadata. I love that term, hidden org chart, yeah. by the way. Uh, going into the lexicon right yeah. now. Immensely valuable, depending on your organization, too, that, that org chart is. That hidden org chart is a real thing, for sure. Yeah. And the second set of scenarios I call information to knowledge, uh, which is a little bit buzzwordy. Uh, but what I mean is, throughout Office 365, we have all of this unstructured data. So that's email bodies, the content of team chats, the content of documents. And that's really where the, the business's intellectual property, that's the value that a business has uh, is in their email and in their document systems. But you can't, to get value out of that, one user needs to send it to one user and they need to read it, right? And that's how you get value out of communications or a document. 
But increasingly, with democratized AI and Azure's tools for this, increasingly, like with Azure Cognitive Services, you can take text content that's not understandable by a machine and figure out what the topics and key phrases mm -hmm. of this is. Uh, and that applies to emails, chats, documents, uh, or anything else. And so much of a business's value and the output of all of their knowledge workers is in that unstructured content. So there's really incredible stuff that you can do once you're understanding what is in there. And so there's all kinds of business processes that can be automated, right? Uh, you've got contracts in your documents, right? Uh, understanding all of the contracts across your organization. You have business processes uh, that are captured in the content of these things. You have suspicious behavior or malware that's in these things. Uh, and so we see a lot of, there's really incredible stuff that you can do here. One example I like to use is if your organization is trying to improve diversity and inclusive behaviors and have training for that, how do you measure that, that the training is having any results? Right? So uh, you can take, uh, say, you know, using better words, right? Instead of saying, you know, you guys or, you know, boys or, you know, whatever. Like if there's training on that, like now you can analyze the people that have taken this training and not taken that training and then modify how your, your training works. I have one for you that I, that I want to throw out. After last year, John and I talked about this and some of the stuff that we, we've been talking about with, with Graph Data Connect. One of the ways that I saw huge value with this is being able to take the graph data and marry it up alongside of other normalized data sources. You know, so I work at a company called Rackspace. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Rackspace. You can just pretend like you are if you're not. But we, we, we're a hosting provider. We do a bunch of services on top of Office 365, Azure, AWS, a bunch of other things as well. So we're all over the place. And we have a bunch of different systems whereby we do ticketing. And our, you know, we, we use email, we use chat, a whole bunch of different systems. We have CRM, all of that. Sure. And one of the biggest things that we have is our NPS score. It's huge for us. It's the most important thing is understanding when our customers are unhappy and being able to take Graph Data Connect and the, the data out of Graph Data Connect, be able to see the, the sentiment analysis lined up with other normalized data sources, be able to actually be able to predict when a customer is not happy and trending downward mm -hmm. and that we need to go off and have that conversation because otherwise they would churn mm -hmm. and be able to normalize that information, be able to pull it out whether it's coming out of you know out of email or coming out of any of these other sources, be able to line all of that up in a normalized data set and then be able to graph against it, that is massively powerful for my business. And I believe this starts trending me down that that path. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> So absolutely, I mean that's that's an interesting piece for for Graph Data Connect too. Uh, kind of analyzing this information, having this information exist in the customer's tenancy, where this data comes out and can be joined with other data sets that come along from that same tenancy and unify across those data sets is hugely valuable. That's kind of the value that we're seeing as a part of this as a part of this platform too. So hearing these examples on how you can track customer satisfaction, if you will, or customer sentiment, and using the office data through Data Connect as a as a source is definitely something that we envision as being extremely valuable on our on our platform. It, it, you know, just in the same way that the Graph APIs and SDK, right, is a unified way to get access to any data that's in Microsoft 365 mm -hmm. and the common semantics and authorization. We view Data Connect as a very similar kind of thing. So that data that's in Microsoft Graph can be joined together with a common model 
with other kinds of data sources. And that's why we've taken such a big bet on Azure Data Factory. Azure Data Factory today has 82 connectors to data systems, right? And you know, that's big multi-tenant SaaS products, and it's also like on-prem databases. And so wherever your data is, you can use Data Factory to get all of that data together in the format that you prefer, right? Of course, Graph, we're talking about JSON lines. Now that's, that's our preferred data source. Some of these are Parquet and others. But then you can use Data Factory to orchestrate getting that data into your analysis, whether that's the Power BI system by turning it into common data model folders for external data flows, or to other systems, you know, if it's machine learning or wherever else it needs to go. Data Factory is a wonderful tool to get all of your data from wherever it needs to be and then start analyzing on top of it. And that's where we really start seeing phenomenal value is combining it with your CRM, your dynamics data, combining it with your sales data, combining with your on-prem databases or your operations or your training systems. And that's what gets me really excited about the future. That's awesome. In terms of the data sources, we've talked about email. What other sources uh, does Graph Data Connect support today? Sure, absolutely. So there's uh, certainly email, like you referred to today, as a part of uh, supported data sources in all. And uh, for our for our current set of data sources, I kind of envision them as the Exchange Online core data sources that you could see. So we have email messages, we have events, user information, contact information, uh, some more nuanced things like managers and direct reports for a set of users, uh, as well as uh, mailbox settings and mailbox folders. So, uh, so the users will be coming from Active Directory. Right? That's right. Yeah. The data will be coming from Active Directory. And the uh, the interesting piece for all of these data sources that we have is the schema is exactly what you would see on, on Microsoft Graph as well. So the once you're a Graph developer and you're using Graph uh, the Graph APIs, you can use Graph Data to connect very easily from a schema perspective too for the data sets that we that we have and that so we'll support. Conceivably a developer could write an app that leverages uh, Graph Data Connect data for um, long-term operations, but go back to the actual graph oh, yeah. to, to do updates and delete and just just check the status. But instead of having to pull all that stuff down through the pipe all of the time, they've got a ready-made cache sitting there. Too. Absolutely, absolutely. They can use both within their uh, application. Us being called uh, Microsoft Graph Data Connect, it's no uh, no uh, coincidence. We are a graph feature. We we integrate very well with the graph, of course. So yeah, and so and, and for the audience's sake, I've been messing with uh, with messing with <laughs> building some tools around. Graph. Graph Data Connect now for the last couple. We'll call of, it tinkering. Tinkering, tinkering <laughs> a little bit, and it's astoundingly good. And it, it, it's pretty rock solid for a preview product. I gotta say. Well, thank you. That's exciting to hear. So yes, yes, we appreciate. <laughs> that. It's good yes. at breaking stuff too. I can break stuff. That. That's I, I, yes, yes. I tend to bust stuff. <laughs> well, I, guys, I know we, we were trying to respect your time. Thank you so much for making the time for us. So one of the things that we've been doing lately with our show is we start, to, we, you know, in the Power BI space, they have ideas.powerbi.com. It's a way that, you know, it's, it's a user voice for our, you know, our usual bucket of tricks. Do you guys have anything like that? Is there a way that you all are collecting feedback from people? Is there anything you'd like for our users to, our listeners, users, listeners <laughs> to, to know, uh, you know, and, and how they can find your stuff? Where, you know, what, what places that you are communicating and ways that you'd like for them to communicate back with you? Yeah. So uh, the major one is also user voice. So Graph has a user voice. Uh, we put a big emphasis on that, and that is the best way to get a hold of us for feature requests, for stuff that's not working. Uh, of course, there's support, right? If you're building a product sure. that just fails like in a, in a support way, so, so there's that handle too. Uh, but we'll give you the link 
uh, in the show notes for the user voice. That's perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you for making the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the great sessions. And again, sorry I was mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Definitely not me. We appreciate you guys having us uh, here as well, too, and uh, the feedback, of course, and I'm really excited to see what people can build with Graph Data Connect. We're pumped. So are we. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by Tygraph the award-winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tygraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tygraph today. Sign up for a free trial at tygraph.com. Yeah, man, that was a lot of fun, as we we seem to say all the time. And I want to make sure that people know it's not disingenuous. <laughs> we actually really enjoy getting an opportunity to interview these folks. I, Hello, although, Cleveland. You know, <laughs> yeah, We're so to, happy to be, to be here. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I think if we did an interview we didn't enjoy, we probably wouldn't air Probably. It. I'm thinking that's a, that's a reasonable assumption. So, yes, it is the thing I say after almost every interview that we do. It was a lot of fun because we get to sit and, you know, it's not just the interview. It's also the half hour before, half hour afterwards, where we're kibitzing in, with these people. Kibitzing in non-Jewish is uh, bullshitting, I think <laughs> is, the, is the proper term for it. But I was trying to go clean on it, yeah, so okay. you know, I'm sure Marco will bleep that for us. But, you know, it's the opportunity to sit down with these folks and really just get to have a, have a nice chat. It's been a blast. And uh, the other things that we wanted to make sure we talked about, you know, Graph Data Connect has now gone general availability. Woo-hoo. It is out yeah. there for people to play with. One less thing in preview that I have to work with. <laughs> yes. We were talking during the break here. Should we talk about the licensing model? And the answer is no. We're not going to talk about the licensing model. Yeah, go look that one up for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we find some links, we may throw them in the show notes, but that's definitely uh, one that we're going to stay away from. Hey, John, Build is going on right build now. Build is going on. I, I, and Oddly enough, I think that might be the reason the GA date was uh, was yesterday. So, Wow, yeah, I'm telling oddly you. Enough. Any other news that you've seen around Build that's worthy of note? Not a lot of stuff coming out of Power BI, but there is some stuff um, coming out of, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a big Azure show, right? So, yeah. And a big one from a data standpoint with Azure is is um, the uh, Azure Data Factory data flows are now in? I believe I believe they're in public preview. They were in private preview before. Is that the same thing as data flows? John? Of course, it's not. There's a space between the word data and flow with these ones, and the Power BI oh, data so flows are no space. You're talking about data flows, not data flows. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's clear as a bell, right? Yeah, man, that's, uh, I'm telling you, Microsoft is the best at naming. It's, it's like the difference between Outlook, Outlook, Outlook. And Outlook. Yeah. <laughs> or one drive, I just, two drive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what Matthew Roche did a, a, an interesting blog yep. post a little while ago while it was in private preview or in public preview. So if you go out to his blog, we could throw a link to the in the show yep. notes to it, talking about the differences between data flows and data flows. Yes. And you can go take a look at that. In short, the data flow in Azure Data Factory is an awful lot like the data flow in SSIS on-premises. It's the ability to fine-tune what's going on as data moves from one place to another. And it's a good feature. It's excellent. I just, uh, my, my only complaint is the name, but I guess they did come by it first. Did they, though? They, well, it's been in SSIS for a very long time, and it's been called that, so I'm going to go with that. All right, well, I guess we got to give it to them, but one of them was out there before the other, so, yeah. you know, just saying. They're in two different clouds, obviously. You know, yep. 
Oh, completely. At, at Microsoft. Yep. So that's got to be a make it okay. Yes, of course. Re- reuse the name. Anyway. <laughs> it's got a different namespace. <laughs> yes. So Same this episode is thing. airing just... We're a week and a half away from SharePoint Conference, Sean. That's right. It is barreling down on us like a freight train. This episode's dropping just before I go to Atlanta, where I'm going to do uh, a keynote for SharePoint Saturday Atlanta. You're keynoting. As well as wow. I am. I'm doing a... Doing one of my non-BI talks, although it's about BI as well. Uh-huh. It is uh, business transformation in the digital age. It's it's an interesting conversation. It's how I think about the world. Sounds pretty airy fairy. <laughs> no, it's pretty uh, pretty. I do lots of sweating and yelling. I, oh, okay. I, I, you know, there's plenty of all of that. You know, I go full on Balmer on the thing. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to I see keep that. a shirt on though. So that's, that's a, a good. good thing. That's a very good thing. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm also doing two BI sessions there as well because it's SharePoint Saturday. So why not do three sessions? I'd be there if there were more (laughs) weekends in May. Well, I'm going with my (laughs) younger son, Sam, whose ninth birthday was yesterday. So it's a dad and son trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. He loves going to conferences. Okay. But then we're at SharePoint Conference. We're doing the all-day workshop. And then the next week, we're flying out to Germany. And uh, But before we do any of that, John, we should do some picks as far as uh, coming off of... uh, out of ideas.powerbi.com. Yep. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go ahead and go first. That's fine. Here's one that I'd, I'd almost forgotten about because it's become second nature, but uh, I saw it listed and it's like, yes, right. I've just gotten so used to the pain that uh, <laughs> I thought it could, <laughs> could be done better. But uh, the user voice pick is time zone conversion accounting for st- daylight savings time. It speaks to a bit of a bigger issue within Power BI. When you're doing um, time math and you're trying to display on screen, you know, what time it is or how many hours have elapsed. You can use calculations like at now minus. But what matters is what time is being reported. Is it in local time? Is it in UTC time? And then how is that now being evaluated? And you'll very quickly, if you get into a lot of this stuff, see some weirdness where everything looks great in Power BI desktop and then you deploy to the cloud and everything's off. Uh, number of days might be wrong and et cetera. And that's because everything in the cloud is evaluated in UTC format, but you want to display in local time format. And in an awful lot of case, you have to just simply make a decision about which time zone you're going to display things in. So you'll you'll see that in the Tigraph for Twitter report. It always says at the top, all times reported mm-hmm. in according to whatever time zone. And I typically pick the time zone that the conference is being held in. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem here comes in when there's daylight savings time because the way you do that math is you take the uh, UTC time and you bias it by a percentage of, or basically a, a fraction of a day. So if it's off by, as it is right now, daylight savings time on the, on the East Coast, it's uh, four hours off of UTC, but in the uh, wintertime, it's five hours off of UTC. So you're constantly having to go in there and adjust that calculation, which is a big pain. So if there was an automatic way to do this or automatically refer to um, time zone tables, man, that would be useful. So I've gone and given that a vote. I'd suggest that you guys too, do too. I did as well, and uh, when I did it, it ticked over to 160 votes. Good. So definitely one that needs more attention. Mine, uh-huh. it's more of an on-the-nose kind of a, a thing. It's called pageant reports. Please make it available in pro as well as premium. Duh. <laughs> yeah. So this one seems pretty obvious. The product team, you know, Christopher Finland has already said it's something that they want to do. However, 
it's you know this is one of those great things to go ahead and post in so it it shows just what an interest there yep. is and there was a comment here on just on May the 2nd with so many votes for this very important feature why have hasn't it moved to under review 789 votes so far and it is still not listed as under review so, you know, I think it's a good thing to go off and vote for. Yep. I think everybody should stop what they're doing right this second. Go vote for Go it. over to the post. Go vote for this. Because it's something everybody everybody we talk to yep. wants this. And we know the product team wants to do it. There are some definite reasons why there's struggles to be able to do that from a security perspective right down to just costs for the product. Yep. But, you know, beyond that, if we're not asking for it, why are they going to go off and, and invest the time when there are other things that are higher level that have more votes than this. So get out there, vote for something like this. Even though you think it's something that's obvious, it's still important to go ahead and cast your vote for it. So John, 789, I'm looking for your vote, my it's friend. It's already there. And uh, already there, we go. there. All right, buddy. Well, with that, I think it is time to wrap. I will see you in just a, a short week and a half yep. in Las Vegas and hope to see a lot of our listeners there as well. If you see us come, we're going to have new stickers. And by the way, hey, John, have you registered for Embass yet? I have, yes. Microsoft Business Applications Summit, we will be Took there. We're definitely going to be hanging around at the uh, BI Power Hour as well as we're going to look at scheduling a meetup out there as well. So keep uh, your eyes peeled for that. If you have an interest in meeting up with us and having a nice chat, we'd love to see you. We're going to be doing lots of interviews at the show. And with that, my friend, it's time to go. Let's have a good one. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons. 